If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting Glass Tire. All of the money we raise, since we are a nonprofit, goes right back into our coverage of Texas's art and artists. Our coverage is supported thanks to readers and listeners like you. If you would like to contribute, you can do so at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Thanks so much and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is a podcast where we at Glass Tire talk about topical art topics. I am Brandon Zek. I am Leslie Moody Castro. And we are reporting or coming at you from the Dallas Art Fair. So we're recording this just for your context, listener. Um, pretty early in the fair weekend. We're recording this on Thursday, right after the Dallas Art Fair and the Dallas Museum of Art announced the DMA 2023 acquisitions from the fair. More on that in a second. Um, But that is to say, this week of art in Dallas is just getting started. Uh, There's a ton of stuff that happened uh, on Wednesday night. There were a bunch of openings in the design district. There was an opening at the Dallas Contemporary. Uh, The Dallas Invitational which is Dallas's new hotel art fair, hasn't even opened yet. That is opening on Saturday and is running Saturday and Sunday. So suffice to say, there's a whole lot of stuff still coming down the pike. But Leslie and I wanted to uh, just kind of give you first impressions of what's going on this week. So Leslie, we did a little after-hours walkthrough of the fair yesterday on Wednesday. Special thanks to Sarah and to Kelly at the Dallas Art Fair for giving us access for that. Yeah. It kind of saved us, honestly. Yeah, and all the Dallas Art Fair folks. There's no way we would have been able to see that entire fair um, today in a couple hours before we came to record this. So with that in mind, Leslie, what were your just kind of initial impressions of the fair this year? It's very full. (laughs) <laughs> it is very full. It's a very full fair this year, um, which I think I was I was surprised by. There isn't as much three dimensional work, and certainly not as much like larger scale three dimensional work, which you do see in Dallas um, often. This year we don't have as much of it. You would actually think having less of that work would would make it seem less full, but contrastingly, it feels more full. It feels very full, and it feels very full because every wall surface is is taken with something, which is fine and great, and that's a great decision, but I think the other reason it feels very full is because um, the work has a lot of content in it as well, um, and so it feels, it feels heavy in some places. It also feels very dense in some places, and because of the nature of the fair itself, it can't grow, right? Like, it's always in the same building. Um, there's only so much square footage within it, and I actually appreciate that about the Dallas Art Fair. You know what to expect in terms of the layout, the floor plan, and who's going to be there. Um, but there are some spaces that can get a little claustrophobic. And so with that many walls taken, it does feel very, very full. Yeah, just for context for any of our listeners who may not know by now or haven't ever been to the Dallas Art Fair, I feel like we contextualize this every year, but I I still like saying it. It's a good it. idea to contextualize. Um, the Art Fair has always been and continues to be, and from my knowledge into the future, uh, in a building called the Fashion Industries Galleries. Um, or the Fashion Industry Gallery. And it is, it's it's really kind of like a trade show building. Yeah. So there are individual booths that are kind of like pre-built out. Um, a yeah. lot of galleries return to the same booths year after year because visitors learn their placement, but also the galleries learn how to deal with their booths. You know, it's the kind of thing where if you return or if you have a space that you use, you end up 
learning how to uh, fill it out in in a nice way. Um, it's a benefit for galleries, I think. Like it's really nice to be able to know your space, um, and that's a very odd space because you have lower ceilings, um, you don't have as many windows, there's not as much natural light, and so I think that gives certain galleries a real leg up in terms of like how they use their booth. You talking about low ceilings? That's something I was going to mention because when people think of art fairs, they think of big convention centers or tents on a beach or something. And this building doesn't play by those rules. Like you can't really bring a 10 foot painting to the Dallas Art Fair. You cannot. Um, but I think the other thing, it's because of its location, it's always it's also in a really nice proximity to things like the Jewel um, or the Dallas Museum of Art or the Nasher and like the Museum District, which is really nice. But you're right, it is very difficult to work within that space because it does have certain limitations. And then you also have limitations of space just just physically. And this is one of the reasons I go back to it. Like it feels really full. Yeah, it's, it's a block from the Dallas Museum of art, maybe like two blocks from the Nasher, a couple blocks from the Jewel Hotel that you mentioned. Um, it, uh, it being very centralized is really nice and it's an advantage for anyone out of town. Uh, that's one of the other things. There are a fair number of out of town folks who come to Dallas for this fair. Like it is a homegrown localized fair. It's run by people who do this as basically their full-time gig. They run this one fair. It's not a huge production company. Um, but uh, Dallas kind of is able to play itself as a destination. People do really come out of town. It's It's been interesting. Um, I was looking at the galleries who did Expo Chicago, which is the art fair that happened one week before the Dallas Art Fair. Um, and there are some overlaps, but also... I think there were a fair number of galleries who I think might have done Expo Chicago, but didn't. I don't know if that's just a this year thing or if they choose to do the Dallas Art Fair over Expo Chicago. I know that is some galleries' choices. But, I mean, people, you know, galleries, it's it's a big upfront for them to do these things. So they really kind of have to play yeah. strategically how they work this out. We were just talking about that with someone actually while we were walking through the fair. It's like when you when you decide to participate in a fair as a gallery, you already start in debt, right? Like there's already so much money you've put forth. And so to break even, we're talking like $40,000, $50,000 and upwards in terms of sales, which is really difficult in any context. Um, and so it is a it is a high pressure situation for a small business like a gallery. And of course, some galleries are not small businesses they're big businesses. Uh, but it is a it is an investment. And, and it is really interesting to see who chose to go to Expo, who's here, who did both. And God, they've got to be exhausted um, because it is exhausting. But yeah, it's also really nice to see the combination of homegrown galleries and a really nice balance of like international galleries from all over. It was great to run in my to run into my friends from Proyectos Moncler in Mexico City and they're right at the front. Um, it was lovely to um, meet some of the gallerists that actually did receive the the acquisition prize. Um, yeah, it, it's a really nice balance and it's a really one of the things I also love about Dallas is that it's it's nice to run into friends all week. Um, we did that as we were walking out, which is why it was so great to get the preview last night, um, because it's a it's a really great time of year for people to be in Dallas, and you get to see everyone from Austin, from Houston, Dallas, Mexico City, London, even Chicago, um, because there were galleries that went to both, and so it's a really nice um, it's a nice fair. It's a really nice fair. I feel like this is something I have to say every year too because it relates back to the building. But it being in a trade show building, I, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. But I actually, I really like kind of the bold face, 
admission that we're selling objects by holding this event in what seems to be a like pre-built trade show building. Like it's in some ways it's a little humbling to the fair and I don't mean that in a bad way or I don't mean that the fair needs to be humbled or anything like that, yeah. but it's it's just an admission that we're dealing in goods and we're this is an art trade show in a way and yeah. I feel like I feel like some people might be mad at that statement, but I I genuinely mean it in the best possible way. Like it's, it makes it... It's transparent. It's transparent and it also makes it kind of, I don't know, fun is the wrong word, but it makes it more fun to visit because it's not trying to pretend to be anything other than exactly what it is. Yeah. So we can kind of lay that on the table and then just enjoy the fair and enjoy visiting with each other. I totally agree. I mean, honestly, we had this conversation when we were walking through yesterday too, very briefly, um, that you know, how do we describe an art fair to people that are not in the art world? And it's a convention, it's a trade show, right? It's like, how do I, like, it's, it's, it's any other trade show in the world for any other object that you're going to, that you want to buy stuff at. And it's like, you put on the best of the best and the newest of the new and whatever. Um, and that is what an art fair is. And that is how I explain it to people outside of the art world, because it's a really weird thing and a really weird phenomenon. And we operate in a bubble of contemporary art that is a very specialized, um, field, I guess. And, and yeah, it does that. It is a trade show in a, in a, a, a building meant for a trade show. A trade show. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's what every art fair is. Like even in the massive convention centers or the tents, you know, that's all temporary structure that is made and built up for the art fairs, right? It's like those spaces don't have walls every day of the week. It's only when there's an event happening in those spaces. I mean, my mind first goes to um, Fair Park and all the buildings in Fair Park here in Dallas are complete empty buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that the Dallas Art Fair does do that. Like there is, there's no like blowing smoke up anyone's ass, right? Like we all know what it is and we all know what the space is and it's a convenient location for everyone. It's a beautiful fair. Um, the the square footage is what it is and you work with it um, and you know where people are going to be within that floor plan with a few surprises. And it's it's great, I think. One of the things that I feel like also just helps, <laughs> it helps get people here and it builds local excitement for the fair, but it also, um, it, it makes people bring Cracker Jack stuff to the fair <laughs> um, that otherwise, you know, it is the Dallas Art Fair acquisition thing that happens. Like it was a really smart thing that they started, I think it was in 2015 or 16. Uh, I'd have to check that to, don't quote me. But um, it's, I, I mean, for again, also for anyone who doesn't know, um, basically the Dallas Museum of Art gets first pick for uh, sales at the fair. And they walk through with a little committee and with uh, Catherine Broadback, the DMA's curator, and they get to buy artwork. There's a little like slush fund of money. Um, I'm also going to interrupt you and say um, first in in quotes because some of that work is already pre-sold before it gets here. And that's another way that gallerists also sell out their booths, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very good to place that in quotes. (laughs) Um, But it helps ensure that dealers, you know, if dealers know about it and the dealers should know about it if they're coming, it makes them at least want to bring, I mean, 
I don't know, at least B grade stuff. Like they 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 can't dump their C minus stuff in Dallas, um, or at least definitely not if they want it to get acquired by the fair. Right. So that's been really helpful in just helping build. I think the fair's presence. It also gets you know it, it's a whole community building thing whenever you have an art fair period, and I feel like especially when it's locally run, and that's why it's sometimes so hard for art fairs to really come in and break into a city if they're run by you know mega conglomerates that organize fairs every which way you really need that local support behind it and i feel like dallas has tended to have that for most of the time there of course have been we're not going to get into them but there have been uh, other conflicts that have happened with fairs and galleries you know i i feel like things happen for we got to keep it interesting yeah things, things <laughs> like, happen for course, years and years and of course <laughs> yeah. there's always going to be conflict because people care about art that's happening in a community and if you care about what's happening in the community and people are involved it's just dealing with people right. um but generally generally speaking there's been a lot of strong local support behind the fair and i feel like even galleries from across texas since texas as of this point, doesn't really have another fair with the unofficial death of the Texas contemporary um, in Houston, a lot of other galleries across the state have really rallied behind the fair too. Like there's, uh, again, there's Martha's from Austin who has a booth at the fair, uh, Inman Gallery from Houston, Sicardi from Houston, uh, all these fairs or all these galleries that would otherwise maybe not do the Dallas Art Fair or didn't do the Dallas Art Fair because they had their own hometown fair um, have really rallied and decided to make Dallas the Texas fair. Yeah, and notably, interestingly, we, we also said this while we were walking through, we're missing um, Ruiz Healy from San Antonio. So we, I don't think, I don't remember any San Antonio representation. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that is to say that like Cruz Ortiz is here and he's doing a pop-up in the front entrance of the of the fair, which is nice. Um, so yeah, it is, it is, um, it is a local homegrown fair and it feels like a local homegrown fair. And it is also one of those fairs that since it is manageable, you can sort of, go, you see it, you say hi to people, you look at the work, you see the work, which in, often in fairs you don't actually get to see a lot of the work because you're busy networking because that's also a big part of the fairs. Um, yeah. But once you see the work, then you can kind of like move on and do the networking and build the community and like work the fair in different ways. I mean, I'm wearing all my hats this week. Not only are we here for Glass Tire, but I'm also here for Aurora, which I'm curating. And um, with another collaborator, his name is Kendall Henry, who's also in town. And so it's one of those things where it's like, not only is it like is it the fair for Texas, but it's also so manageable and so nice that everyone is behind it because you get to do all these other things and use it as sort of a centralized hub for a satellite, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should talk a little bit just about fair impressions mm-hmm. okay. in general. Yeah. Um, of course, I mean, it's, it's unavoidable whenever you walk through a fair that there's going to be certain themes, certain ideas, certain things that really stick out. So uh, I'm, I'm pulling up my notes app and we just, we, we found a few things uh, last night when we were walking around that I think we reconfirmed when we were walking around this morning. Yes. Um, the first is, I don't know, I'm going to say in case it becomes part of the history books that we're coining this term, even though people kind of have described it in myriad ways up yes. until now. Yes. Um, faux naive surrealist figuration 
is the era that we are solidly in right now. Um, you know, it, it was zombie formalism in the mid-aughts. Now it's faux-naive surrealist figuration. It rolls off the tongue. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> it's so easy to remember. I had to pull up my notes app to remember Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, it really does encompass a lot of the things that we saw at the fair, though. Yeah, and that's that's part to say, I think, you know, if, if I want to try and prescribe a reason for this, it's like we're coming out of COVID. We're trying to learn how to re-relate to people. We also kind of don't want to actually live in our world. We want weird, bright, surrealist color palettes. You know, part of this is also there are a lot of works that are, it's an entire like figurative scene or landscape scene, but the entire palette is shades and tints of green or purple. Bright pink. Or bright pink or like ruddy browns, like really earthy colors. Um, And it's like, it's taking the world that we live in or that we want to live in and just kind of twisting it in a weird way that sometimes is and sometimes isn't successful. But it's also, I think, one of those things that there's so much of right now that it's hard in the moment to judge what is and isn't successful in it. It's true. And it's also like decadently avoidant. You know, like it's, it's, it is a sort of creation of a world that we don't want to exist in. Like I hadn't put it together until you just said that. Um, it, yeah. And, and perhaps it is because we have come out or we are trying to come out of a really difficult pandemic time, but like the difficulty has continued in many ways. Right. And so it is, it is somewhat avoidant. It is somewhat of this like creation of an, an ecosystem. And I use that in terms of like the word garden and like nature. And I use it in terms of the, the art that's being made in this surrealist faux representation. You can't even remember I can't the rem- term. I've, I've, you've had to correct me every time. I, I think it is, uh, let's pull it back up, a uh, faux naive surrealist figuration. That's, <laughs> that's. <laughs> Yeah, it is a little bit avoidant. It is decadent. It is. I mean, we're talking about really big canvases too, right? Like yeah. this, these are not small things that are being made and they're taking up a lot of space. Yeah. And it is hard to, to see which ones are good technically. I don't want to use that well, conceptually. Because it's, it's a faux naive thing, right? right? So it's like there's, in some of them, it's easy to tell that the artist really knows a handling of paint, but is doing it in that faux naive way. And there's others where it's like, I can't tell if this artist is a good painter or not. Absolutely, because it's really easy to mask skill. Yeah. You know, like it's really easy, or the lack of skill, I should say. Um, yeah, and and that was something that we were we were struggling with, I think, when we were walking through, because it was like, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. Well, when you have a, I mean, when you have a barrage of it, too. It's like not just not just judging it or equality like in mass in terms of all of the people producing it, but when you see one version after the other and then there's another bather and then there's another person in a garden and then there's another person lounging on the grass and then there's the it's just kind of like And then there's a the person with the horse and the other person with the horse and well, then the horse. Well, yeah, let's let's go to that horses. Horses. Um, Horses are in right now. I I don't I've not seen that many horses in a fair in a long time. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe ever. I mean, we have galloping horses. We have a painting of like a glass horse figurine looking thing. A very large glass horse figurine looking thing, which is a beautiful painting. And the mm-hmm. skill there, I have to say, is like impressive. Yeah. But when you've seen so many horses by that point, because it's in like the second floor in the very back corner, mm-hmm. it's real hard to take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... It was actually kind of jarring. Like, we were joking a little bit as we, we were, were walking yeah, around the fair. Of course. But then it got to the critical mass where we were like, oh, this is actually a thing that's happening. And it was like every time we turned a corner, there was a horse. Okay, here's my question. And I always feel like 
we deal with this maybe a little bit in Texas. Granted, I think everywhere deals with it to some extent, but I think it's more pronounced to us in Texas because of what the subject matter is. Is some of this, I'm going to go to Texas and help and, excuse me, I'm going to go to Texas and sell some horse pictures? Like, is it like a, is it a Texas thing that it's like people are like, oh, I know what, I know what the Texas collectors want. I I am I imagine there is some of that, um, which I think is really funny because if you do your research, obviously like Texas has enormous collections and like the history of art history runs through fucking Texas, right? And so it's like it's so much more than horse paintings. Um, but then yeah, of course there's a little bit of pandering to that because there is going to be a collector that walks in and is like, I want that horse. <laughs> a lot of them were very appealing. I mean, I do have to say, like there were some. Uh, there's. One, I think, in Night Gallery from L.A. that was very well painted. Uh, I think Night Gallery also, again, if I'm not mistaken, has a uh, nice little, like, 12 by 9 uh, framed work on paper of a horse's backside. Like, straight straight looking in there. Yeah, right. Um, points if you find it. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, just in general, I, that, that actually was surprising because I feel like... I feel like figurative stuff, I, it's hard to put a, a finger on a theme sometimes, yeah. but the horse stuff was just kind of crazy. It really was. And like these galleries are not necessarily talking to each other when they're bringing things, right? And so, yeah, yeah it, that's surprising. And then there was, I mean, yes, of course, we were joking around while we were walking through. We were, you know, you just drove in from Houston. I arrived a few days ago. Um, but then there was, a, there were a couple times where we were like, what? Like, there was one time we turned a corner and you're like, oh, do you see Popeye in this painting? And I was like, no, I see broccoli. <laughs> and I was thinking about that conversation like, oh, this is this is why people that are not in the art world don't understand the art world. I totally get it. Yeah, they don't get it. <laughs> uh, which is also valid and totally fair. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, it was also nice to see things like Yvette Mayorga from Chicago. Um, again, that sort of Chicago connection that maybe is being being built again. Mm-hmm. Um, Yvette, I know, and is is lovely, and her work is really really fantastic. And she's a young female artist, Chicana artist in Chicano, or sorry, in Chicago, who I very much respect. Um, I was really surprised that I didn't see more like craft hmm. and the ways that I see craft in in museums in galleries lately like there was very little sort of textile there was very little ceramic yeah which is surprising as well because the uh, dallas contemporary has a beautiful ceramic show up right now with by ceramic asuro um, from guadalajara which is a prolific ceramic studio that was surprising i think yeah the uh, of course it's kind of easier to sell paintings because they're objects that hang on the wall but yeah, I completely agree. Like, I feel like the Dallas Art Fair normally has a little bit of a mix, and mm-hmm. people do bring things that are maybe a little extravagant and shiny and weird, uh, but it works. And yeah. it just, I, I feel like part of what you're saying also is just, I feel like everything was pretty densely hung. It was very like, densely hung. It's not just that there was a lot on the walls, but all of the spaces had a lot on the walls and there were I feel like a few more like little salon style presentations than normal or a few more people like stacking things on the wall which is kind of hard to do in these booths frankly again they're not huge right um I agree I absolutely agree yeah there was I think that there there could have been a better use of space and to your point about paintings being sold like I wonder can we sell a horse painting I think we can sell a horse painting. <laughs> Are we going to sell all the horse paintings? Maybe, uh, <laughs> uh, that's that's more of a stretch. I mean, this again, yes, painting is easy to sell, but like, what's the content? Yeah. 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 
And that's where I want, like, I wonder about how this edition of the fair will do. And of course I want it to be successful because I want everyone to be successful and I want the fair to be successful. But yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about how certain things will, will do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I do feel like I have to say, uh, just thinking about things that stood out yesterday, um, Valley House, which is a gallery in Dallas, had some really wonderful uh, mid-size, or maybe not even mid-size, small works by the artist Velton Tyler, Mm -hmm. who was a North Texas artist. He had a big show at the Eamon Carter Museum of Art. Um, And then it was really nice because the way we were walking through, we turned the corner exiting Valley House's booth, and then there was a huge Velton Tyler painting uh, in the hallway. So yeah. it was just kind of a nice rounding out of his presentation. Yeah, that was a really nice moment. Yeah. I really enjoyed the Renee Trevino's I've seen around. Um, I also saw a few Renee's in the Oak Cliff Cultural Center, and there were some really nice ones, tiny ones at Aaron Cluley Gallery. I was also really impressed, like speaking on, and maybe this, again, maybe this is my perception and, and like sort of contextual moment it was really nice to see the textiles and ceramic piece at ulterior gallery from new york upstairs because that's all textile and a giant ceramic piece in mm-hmm. off in a corner mm-hmm. um and i i went back to that one again this morning and really enjoyed it um yeah i do think um you mentioned proyectos monclava uh earlier but i think they have maybe one of the best booths in the fair. Um, They're actually kind of the premier booth downstairs where uh, Karma Gallery, the big New York gallery, used to be. Uh, Karma's not here this year, so, you know, I don't know how they worked out getting this booth, but it's really a wonderful presentation. It is. There's a lot of really interesting media. Um, They have work by an artist named Edgar Leoneta, who I really, really like, and it's all handcrafted woodworks, and he's also got some... um, pretty i mean for what they are they're glass sculptures and they're quite they're quite large for glass sculptures that look really fragile those are really nice they've got some really beautiful and very detailed gabriel de la mora works that are up um there's some really nice moments of like the artist's hand in there which i think is really special and again that's one of the things that we're not seeing as much in the fair this year that i was surprised by this isn't necessarily unique to this year but there's always a little bit of a material thing going on mm-hmm. like a uh, what is this made of it's butterfly wings that's just that's just part of the art fair yeah i think yeah. part of the art fair thing and i think one of the reasons we particularly notice it whenever it happens is just because it's all back to back to back to back you know if you see like a work in a group exhibition in a museum and it's like oh this one's butterfly wings you have the same reaction but you don't have the same reaction 12 other times in the next hour true yeah you know yeah and i mean gabriel de la mora is known for working with this and he's meticulous and he has work in collections and is also represented i think by sicardi in houston um he's a it, it made sense that they were going to bring his work. And it was also, again, like you said, it was a premier gallery. It's a thing that you walk into. I want to mention Conduit as well, because there was a tiny, tiny, tiny piece there. And it was at the beginning of our walkthrough. Um, so I think it stood out even more because it was at the beginning. It wasn't like we were fatigued at the end. And I kept pointing to the monochromatic stuff because I'd seen so many flowers and horses. Um, but they had some, they had a really nice moment of like intimacy with a giant painting that they actually positioned really well with a small monochromatic white sculpture. And I don't remember the artist's name, but you know the artist. Yeah, it's Ted Larson. Yes, that Ted Larson piece. But um, Nancy always, always has, I mean, she's been in that booth for so long. She knows how to work that booth. She is a staple in Dallas and works with, 
I mean, I don't totally understand the roster, but that's okay. I don't because she's good at what she does. We were talking about this with a couple of Dallas galleries, actually. Like some of the premier Texas or some of the premier Dallas galleries, rather. Um, I kind of felt like I was alone in this, but talking to you about it, like really helped me along. But I, I feel like I've been trying to find the thread of programming in a few of these galleries. Um, galleries that, I mean, I've been going to for years at yeah. this point. Who's yeah. I know the gallerists. And I don't know if I've been able to find the thread. And that's not, again, that's not an indictment or a bad thing because I think what it means is um, it's, it's, a, it's a gallerist who has a little bit of a pluralist aesthetic but shows things that are good despite what their aesthetic is i also think that they really know their collector and their collector base and are willing to take risks right like it's i know that nancy has worked with really young artists and i know all the galleries and or most of the galleries in dallas do that as well and so it's nice to see that and even if i can't make the thread or if i don't understand the thread that's okay because i don't i'm not the only person that needs to right that's totally fine yeah I also don't think there needs to be a thread there to be understood. Like, it's like we want to find a thread just because we're like humans and like patterns and like reasons for things. But if your reason is I'm showing this artist because they're good and because people will buy their work and I want to get this work in front of people, that's a good enough reason and that can be a thread. It's just that's not something that you see. Totally, totally. And I think it's also interesting thinking about this thread and thinking about this as we're walking through the fair. Um... The, the Dallas galleries kind of have a, a similar model in the fair where they have a little bit of representation from all of their artists in their roster. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that, like, I know that it works for them. Um, and it's cool to see that because not only that, but, like, there's strong representation from artists that are working with galleries in Dallas. And that's nice to see as well. Um, one of the themes that we haven't talked about, which is also very overarching and I think has been something that's been happening over the past couple years flowers so many flowers flower paintings are back so many flowers flowers are back and it's mostly paintings it's not sculptural it's not photography it's not anything it's flower paintings (laughs) um i feel like this has been happening ever since uh karma gallery in new york organized this big group show called nothing but flowers and there is a huge similarly big catalog for the show Um, And ever since then, it's just been flower paintings. And there have been shows uh, in Houston that are gallery group shows that are flower shows. There have been shows, I saw one or two in Dallas recently, like flowers are back. Not that they ever really left or that people stopped liking flower paintings, but they have gone in and out of fashion a little bit. And they're really back. They're really back. And it's a really particular aesthetic as well, because it's like this giant, like, um, sort of minimal flower on top of a like flat pink background. You know, it's like <laughs> in some ways it's one of those very like naive drawings that we would have done as children with like the flower petals and loops and whatnot. And there's a lot of that. It's really surprising. And then you also have the really dense flowers and the really dense floral landscapes that are very like um, sort of a flat perspective. Uh, even though they are built up with a lot of impasto and the paint. Um, there was one booth that we walked into where we could smell the paint. Yeah, that was uh, Shulamit Nazarin from Los Angeles. It was a lot. It was. It was a lot. And they yeah. were very big paintings. They were very dense and they were very, it seemed like they were really heavy just from the amount of paint that was sort of stacked on them. Um, and I liked those and maybe I didn't need all of them in this space. Again, this was that situation of like, where do you edit down? Yeah. Uh, because the walls were full. 
But yeah, it's been like, I think that we've seen a lot of horses and we've seen a lot of flowers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nature. A lot of nature. I guess we're wanting to get back into nature, aren't we? I guess so. I mean, maybe this has something to do with global warming and the conversation around that. I don't know if it's getting political <laughs> like that. I don't know if, I, I don't know if, like, of course there are artists that do that, but I don't read that in a lot of these paintings. Is it just reminiscence or is it just like, I don't know, what do you read? I mean, it's, I think it, a lot of it is as simple as here's a pretty nature scene, but again, it's faux naive, surrealist, figurative imagery that Never has been get twisted. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it just, it's, it's a little bit of an escape. I really do feel like an escape thing and that we're trying to like make our own worlds. You know, it used to be where artists who came up with their own like worlds and mythologies were people who came up with like crazy stuff like Trenton Dola Hancock's mound verse. Yeah. But now it feels like other artists are just like, this is, this is the world or this is my, the world. Yeah. And it's less of a personal mythology and more of just a, maybe is longing the right word for it. That could be a good, yeah. Like a nostalgia. Yeah. Which I think may have thrown, you may have thrown out that word already on this podcast. Yeah. Which, yeah, I think that could be right. Like a childhood, like a very naive <laughs> Naive. Nostalgia. A faux naive, a figurative. <laughs> um. Which is really funny because we came up with that term probably like five booths in yesterday and then yeah. we just kept seeing it over and over and over. And so, yeah, we were really lucky to be able to walk through without people. Yeah. Um, oh, which, it's a completely different experience. It's a very different experience, and I think it really gave us a sort of holistic view of the fair itself, which we wouldn't normally have. I would not normally have that, um, and so I don't ever, ever feel I've gotten that. Yeah, it was, um, and it was interesting because we got to like part of the thing that I like about fairs is that you really do get to see what people are doing in different places and how they talk or connect and don't. Um, and in this way, we really got to see how that was happening and the sort of thread. This unintentional thread, because it's not like yes, the Dallas Art Fair will curate their roster, but they're not curating the work that goes into each booth, right? And so it's like this very unintentional thread that just kind of kept coming up over and over and over and over, and that we could see very early on that we would not normally have seen very early on. Yeah. And with that, and with that, we take a nap. We're going to sign off. Uh, <laughs> there is a whole lot happening this past weekend, or by the time you listen to this, it will have happened. Uh, <laughs> also true. Glass <laughs> Tire is a uh, media sponsor of a party that's happening at the Virgin Hotel that our assistant editor, William Saradet, organized, Woo-hoo! which is going to be super fun on Friday night. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you are in Dallas or came to Dallas, then you knew all about everything that was happening. If you want to see the pieces that were acquired by the Dallas Art Fair, that news is up, or I'm sorry, by the Dallas Museum of Art. That news is up on our website right now. So we'll link to that in this post on our website. I also want to say thank you to the Aurora team for having me here because I can connect with all of our Glass Tire friends, do this podcast, see the fair. Um, and I just want to take note and point out the fact that Glass Tires fundraiser is happening next weekend. Oh, you're kind. And the auction is going online very soon. By the time you hear this, it will be live. So all you have to do is go to our website and I'm sure you'll get accosted by a pop-up for the auction. (laughs) Check it out. There's some really good work. Um, we love doing the auction. We love doing the party. The auction's fun because it's just 
another chance for us to connect with artists from across Texas. I feel like, you know, I, I, I have to say this, but I also truly believe it, that we always get some really wonderful work by people who you know and by people who you may be less familiar with. And also, not everything is $5,000. I mean, works this year, I think, start at $180. So check it out. We get first look, right? <laughs> oh, you'll have seen this already. <laughs> Great. With that, uh, we hope you had a good art fair weekend if you came into town. And... Go see some art. Go see some art. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2023.